Hey, this is Pastor Rafael Rodriguez. Welcome to Restore 2020 Podcast. Go ahead and choose a message. Be empowered, be equipped, be prepared to change your world for Christ Jesus. God bless you. Message this morning, Enduring Unjust Suffering. And I just really felt led to preach this message this morning because if you haven't noticed the world around us, there's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of things that are happening all, all, all around the world. And... Um, our world is in, in, in very confused. There's a lot of uh, turmoil. There's a lot of tribulations. There's difficulties. And there's going to be a time, and it's already happening in some of our lives, that we're going to face suffering unjustly. And I'm speaking about those who are believers in Jesus Christ. And I wanna, this message is really appropriate for this morning because, like I said, there's so much that's going on. And some of you are maybe under attack right now at your jobs. Maybe you're facing persecution for your faith in Jesus, and they talk bad about you, and they, um, they just don't include you in certain meetings or certain outings or whatever the case may be, and, oh, that person's such and such of this, and so you may be facing suffering in that way. But some of you may be facing suffering when you speak out against the evil of the world, and they say, well, you just, you know, this crazy Christian that you just hate everybody, you hate this person, you hate that person because, you know, you're just this wicked Christian. But the truth of the matter is, the Bible is clear on certain things, and we are, as people of faith, have to make a stand against those things. I only got a few amens on that one. Because we believe what the Bible says, right, from front to back, from Genesis to Revelation. And so our call as Christians is to live that out first of all and then make a stand when things are being when we are being challenged for our faith and what we believe in and respond but we don't do that by holding up signs and saying you know yelling out and, and picketing and, and and stuff protesting but we do that through our love and action because actions speak louder than words amen <laughs> and so and so that's how we are able to show the love when we are faced with challenges with the difficulties of today's day and age and how we respond. But I'm going to encourage you, do not remain silent. I know the movie theater says silence is golden. That's funny for movie theaters, right? Don't remain silent in today's issues in today's day and age. Speak up, but speak up with love and kindness. I'm not, telling you, I'm not giving you permission to go on Facebook and blast everybody on there because sometimes some of the stuff on there is completely ridiculous. Some of the stuff that Christians say. And I'm going to address that a little bit in the, in the middle of the message. I don't want to bring it up now, but um, just don't remain silent. Speak up when it's time to speak up. But speak with grace and speak with love and speak with that, that patience and kindness. Because you know one thing, you've got to understand something. People who are not in relationship with Jesus, they don't know any better than their sin. We think that because America is America, that everybody's a Christian. That's wrong. We're not. We no longer are a Christian nation. I don't know if you realize that. And so we cannot have the assumption that everybody in this nation knows who God is and knows who Jesus is and knows right from wrong. Because the way we learn from right from wrong is when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, enter into a right relationship, the Holy Spirit begins to sanctify us. He begins to clean us up. He begins to convict us of certain sins. And therefore, we don't want to do those things anymore. 
I don't know, that, that worked out for me. I don't know if it worked out for you here, right? And so when we gave our relationship with Jesus, he began to clean me up and tell me and convict me on certain things that I was doing. I said, I don't want to do that anymore because I want to become more like Jesus. And I want to draw closer to Jesus. And I want to worship him. And I, I, I just don't want to do those things because I don't find satisfaction and joy in that anymore. But those people who don't have a relationship with Jesus, they don't have the Holy Spirit there to sanctify them and to, uh, and to develop them and strengthen them for them to know any better. So that's all they know. That's why it's important for us to share the truth of the gospel so that people can be free from their sins. We are Pentecostal, we are Christian church, and we believe that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. Amen? And let's bow our heads and pray before I get into the message. Father God, I thank you for this time. As we come together as a church, Lord God, we give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. And Lord, right now at this point, I pray that I would decrease and you would increase, Lord God. Lord, I want more of you, less of me, and none of this world. We give you all the praise, the glory, and honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're gonna be, I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. That is my weapon of choice this morning. I, that's my you know, tagline, weapon of choice, because the Word of God is a double-edged sword, right? It says it in the Scripture, so our weapon of cho- my weapon of choice this morning is the New Living Translation. There are Bibles in front of you and a seat pocket in front of you, but that's the NIV version. You're more than welcome to l- read that. And I also have it up there for you on the screen. I'm going to be looking at verses 19 to 23. It says it right here, For God is pleased with you when you do what you know is right, and patiently, patiently endure unfair treatment. Of course, you'll get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering just as Christ suffered. For you, he is your example, and you must follow in his steps. Amen? Verse 22, he never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He, never di- he did not retaliate when he was insulted, and he could have easily had done that, nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Mm. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Th- the first that I want to highlight this morning is verse 21, where it says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow his steps. That's not the words of Pastor Raphael. Those are the words of the Apostle Peter, who who wrote that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't something that he thought it was a good idea. Let me go ahead and and put that in there. No, the Bible is the written word of God, right? Written through the through the Holy Spirit, and he spoke it to every single one of the authors of the, of the books in the Bible, the 66 books of the Bible, written through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so here's Peter saying this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. That just telling me right there that we're going to suffer because that's just a part of life. And we're going to suffer just as, as Jesus has suffered, okay, when he came on this earth, he also suffered, all right, but we are to do what? what? We are to follow his example, follow in his steps. And so in today's day and age, suffering for doing good is going to happen. I'm not going <laughs> to gas you up and make you feel like it's not, okay? It's going to happen 
regardless of what, where we're at, whether we feel like we are closer to God or far away from God, it's just inevitable. It's going to happen. It's the world that we live in. There is so much hate, so much turmoil, and at times it could be overwhelming. That's why coming together to worship the Lord is important so that we can be empowered to get back into our place of service. We, it, you know, it's important to come to church on Sunday mornings to come together so we can unite in one another and, and encourage one another and strengthen one another. The church is an important place. Amen. The church is an important place for us to get refueled from a crazy week. But also, you know, I also believe that Wednesday services is important as well because that's the middle of the week and sometimes we just got to get our refuel. We got to get our gas back up. You know, we got to get spiritually encouraged so that we can continue the rest of the week walking in the ways of the Lord. And I'm going to encourage you guys when we start back up on Wednesday nights on the Delts Bible study because this Wednesday would be our last Delts Bible study. Um, be a part of it in the fall. Be a part of Wednesday nights. Get that refuel. Get that encouragement. Get that, that strength that you need to. Just kind of get over the, the rest of the week. And, um, but with that being said, we're still having youth ministry on Wednesday nights. So youth, don't forget. <laughs> don't forget. Uh, we still have youth ministries on Wednesday nights. But could we come together so we can face the challenges that come with our call to live for Jesus? It's a call to live for Jesus. And we are going to face challenges in our call to live for Jesus, okay? So, like I said, I'm not going to gas you up and make you feel like, you know, it's not, you're not going to face any challenges. That once you give your life to Jesus, everything's going to be hunky-dory, and we're going to sing Kumbaya, and everything's going to be all good. No, we're going to go through our suffering. We're going to go through our turmoil. We're going to go through our, 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 our incur- um, discouragement. We're going to see difficulties. But, you know what? It's in faith in Jesus Christ that we'll be able to endure those unjust suffering amen and promise you if you more amens i hear the faster i preach and um we'd be out of here before you know it all right and so but that's the thing we have to be encouraged that you know we're going to face suffering we're going to face those challenges and difficulty but this is why we are here together to encourage one another to strengthen one another to worship the lord lift up our hands to the undefeated one and give him all the praise glory and honor in spite of all that Wow, that's how we beat Satan. That's how we defeat him. That's how we stomp on his head when you still come over here and worship the Lord anyway, regardless of your situation. When you get out of bed despite your depression, when you get out of bed despite your challenges at home, you get out of bed despite your, your situations at work, and you come to the house of the Lord and begin to worship him, and even more so when you lift up your hands and the enemy begins to say, uh-oh, no, no, they're getting refueled, they're getting stirred up, they're getting connected with the body, uh-oh, I'm getting nervous, and, you know, he doesn't like to see that happen, but when you, just when you step into the foot, into those doors, those front doors, you are beginning that process to break that stronghold that the enemy is trying to place in your life, and so it's important for us to get together and to be able to seek the Lord's face so that we can tell the devil, ha, not this time. You defeat it. But the moment we start just giving in, we start not coming to church, we start, you know, just finding excuses to not be here or, 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 or just we don't want to lift up our hands during worship, we just begin to say, I, I, don't, I don't want nothing to do with that. That's when the enemy just begins to capitalize on that and begins to try to bring more darkness into our life. And I'm just going to encourage you, just lift up your hands anyway, even if you don't feel like it. There's some days I'm a minister of the gospel. I don't feel like coming to church, but I come anyway because, that's, one, I have to be here. Two, I wouldn't miss it anyway. 
if I didn't have to. It's just a part of life. It's like riding a bicycle. You never forget. You just want to get up and you want to keep on going. You want to be motivated. You want to keep on, you know, just really seeking God's face because that's exactly what we need, especially in today's day and age. Amen? Our Lord Jesus is the highest example of one who suffered evil for doing good. For those of us who follow his example in doing good, even while suffering, our suffering is actually transformed into opportunities to identify with our Savior. Do you believe that? Our suffering is actually transformed, okay, into opportunities to identify with our, with our Savior. You may, well, what, you, what kind of theology is that? What do you, what do you, how do you respond to your suffering? Do you bellyache? I know we all do, right? You cry, you complain. But what if you were under a situation and you're, everybody in your job know, knew that you were going through some turmoil and some suffering, but the way you responded, you respond to that. You say, I'm going to trust the Lord, I'm going to let go and let God, and I'm going to worship God, and I'm going to serve Him, and I'm going to be faithful to Him. Okay, that's, that's right there, the showing of the example of an opportunity to identify with our Savior. Because Jesus did face suffering. He was called a drunkard. He was called a liar. He was called, called demon-possessed. He just kept on walking. He kept on trusting in, in his Father and kept on doing what he was called to do. And that was to live the life for us to follow that example, for us to live the same life that he lived on earth. And not, not, we, none of us are going to be perfect. We never will be. But we're striving for that perfection. We're striving to be closer to Jesus and be like him. And so when we go into that suffering, it's actually transform into an opportunity to identify with our Savior. However, that's how, based on how you respond to that unjust suffering. That's your opportunity to let people know. He got this. I got this, and he got this because he got it, and I got it. Because <laughs> he's in control. Amen? People who continue to do good recognize that the highest honor and privilege of any believer is to suffer for the cause of Christ and the spread of his message. That's why we wonder, you know, why is it there's so much persecution happening in India and Pakistan and, 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 and other countries around the world? You know what? That's part of the, what the what scriptures say. In the last days, there's going to be suffering. There's going to be persecution. But do you ever see those people giving up in a relationship in Jesus Christ? Nope. And you know what happens as a result of that? Um, oftentimes, despite the persecution that they face, people come to a relationship in Jesus because they said this person was willing to die for their faith in Jesus. So this Jesus dude must be real. When we truly believe in who we worship and who we are following and who we are living for and we're willing to die for him, that says a lot to other people. Because it says your faith is genuine. It says it's real. But when we at the turn of darkness and going through some suffering, even unjustly, and we turn our backs against God, that's a sign of immaturity that you're not really <laughs> in a right relationship with him. I know that's a hard one to swallow. But it's during those difficulties, those, those, those times of suffering and, and, and um, just facing the challenges that our faith, we just need to draw closer to him and trust him in the midst of that. And as I know it's easier said than done. I'm not standing here before you and say, well, I got that all figured out. I can preach on this now. There's sometimes my faith is stronger than other times. There's sometimes I'm going through some darkness. I don't even want to get out of my house but I have to do it. There's sometimes I don't even want to come to the youth ministry because I feel like I'm not even getting through to these young kids, but I still do it anyway because we're just trusting in the Lord to be able to just say that word that they need to hear to, break, to bring forth the breakthrough and to try, just really see God work miraculously in people's lives. 
We all go through that turmoil. We all go through that suffering. We all just face those challenges. But I want to encourage you to have faith and trust in the Lord in the midst of that. Matthew 5.10 says this. It says, God bless those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. It doesn't say persecuted for doing wrong. It says persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And those are the words of Jesus Christ. He said that. He said that on the Sermon of the Mount. Okay? For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. What this verse is saying is that people who follow Jesus and living according to the principles of God's word will face opposition and rejection. It just comes with the territory. So those of you who live out your faith day to day and on the real deal know that to be true. If you're not facing opposition for living out the principles of God's word, then I'm going to say perhaps your faith in Jesus is unnoticed because you're no different from the world. Ooh. I'm just, I went there because I want you to understand, all right, that that's a way for us to understand where our faith is. We're going to face challenges, especially when we make a stand, when we say something, we believe what the scriptures say, and we say, hey, even though, you know, you may think that sex before marriage is okay, but the Bible says that it's not. And so we live what the scriptures say, you speak out against that to somebody in your job who calls himself a Christian, And maybe they come to you with your advice or you know that that's going on in their life and you just stay there lovingly, encouragedly, put your hand around them and say, you know what? <laughs> God has called us to a higher standard. I want to encourage you. Don't ruin your relationship with that person you're with and don't, don't let this sin get in the way of you drawing closer to God. I want to encourage you to stop doing that. Oh, but, 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 but. I don't want to say nothing because I don't want to mess up that relationship. That, that's my friend. And how can I say something to them? They're going to not be my friend anymore. And, you know, if you're more concerned about that than telling them what's right and wrong, then are you really concerned about their eternity? Where are they going to go? Because the scriptures is very clear on that, right? And so we have to speak the truth when the truth is necessary. And I want to encourage you to do that if you have the opportunity, okay? But we may, you know, that we suffer for many reasons. Some suffering is a direct result of our own sin and bad choices. Okay? Some suffering is a direct result of our own sin and bad choices. Some people, sometimes they're happy because of our own foolishness. I want to give you an example. If you decided to bet against the uh, United States soccer team during the American Copa, you uh, probably lost a bunch of money because they're in the semifinals now. Okay? And so if you decide to bet against them and say, well, you know, America has never been really that great in, um, in soccer, so I'm going to bet against them. Well, you lost your money, and now you're begging that you can't pay your bills, and you can't pay your rent, and, and, and you can't, you know, you're not able to uh, survive, you can't eat. But that's because you chose to do something foolish. But it's also suffering is the result of living in a faith fallen world. Suffering is the result of living in the fallen world. Today, I'm preaching about what Peter wrote, suffering for doing good. God's got a little ahead of me on the slides there. In suffering for doing good, we of the faith follow the example of Christ and the apostles, those who originally sent with his authority to deliver his message and help establish his New, Te New Testament church. Oftentimes, when we are called to do something great, suffering is the prerequisite for our success. You believe that? 
When we are called to do something great, oftentimes suffering is the prerequisite of our success because he wants to, that's the way that he's testing us to see whether we are able to handle more responsibility. That's why the Bible says if you're faithful with little, you can be faithful with much. Somebody knows the word here, right? If you're faithful with little, you can be faithful with much. It's what's picking up our cross and following Jesus is all about. We prefer success in our own terms, but that's not how it usually works. We want to find a shortcut to success, you know, the quick and easy way. I'm going to give you an example. To become a lawyer, okay, to become a lawyer, first of all, you have to have a bachelor's degree in any field, okay? And some of the most common undergrad majors for pre-law students is English, political science, economic, business, philosophy, and journalism. Second, you have to pass the law school admissions test, the LSAT. Third, you have to identify law schools and complete your application. So you can't just put an application for one law school. You have to put your application for multiple law schools and to see what uh, your chances are on getting into one. Fourth, you have to earn a Juris Doctor degree, which is a minimum of three years of full-time study. This degree is a nationally recognized degree for practicing law in the United States. So with that said, you have to earn one of those. But wait, there's more. Five, fifth, you have to pass the bar exam. And every single state is different when it comes to the requirement of passing the bar exam. Six, you have to achieve in your career as a lawyer. So you have to complete several years of successful practice. Then attorneys may rise to become partners in a firm, while others may choose to open their own law office. Some may move beyond practicing law and becoming a judge or shift into public positions. Lawyer may also pursue future education at both the master's and doctoral level, the master's of law, that's the LLM, and doctors of philosophy, PhD, are two common choices for lawyers interested in careers involving research and academic scholarship. And I use this illustration of how to, what it takes to become a lawyer uh, because most of those people who become lawyers, I don't think they want to do all that. That's a lot of work in order to become a lawyer. They probably will prefer the shortcut and say, you know what, just let me take the bar exam and I'll, I'll be all right. Just let me open up my own law firm and I think I'll be all right. All right, and so, but it, it takes work for them to get to the place where they want to be in their career. They have to do all those things in order to become a successful lawyer. And here's the thing, we earn our degree in Christ followology. Yeah, I made up a word, followology, by picking up our cross and following after Jesus daily. That's how we earn our degree. That's how we get closer to him. Dealing with unjust suffering and how to respond in that unjust suffering and the, the challenges that we face, that's how we draw closer to him. Amen? So this morning I'm going to share with you three ways of enduring unjust suffering. Number one, thank you for being diligent and having that up there like the whole time, but cool. We must be willing to suffer. We must be willing to suffer particularly to share in the sufferings of Jesus. Well, what is Pastor Raphael talking about? We're willing to suffer? It says in 1 Peter 4.13, Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. We should expect difficulty and suffering to be part of our service to God. Hmm. Why are you talking about this this morning? 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10 to 12 says, Through suffering, our bodies continue to share the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we will live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. Again, not my words, but Apostle Peter wrote that is right there in front of you. So his has resulted in eternal life for you. In order that we might share Christ's love and life with others, we also must share Christ's suffering and relate to his death. In relation to our own selfish desires and defiance towards God. So self-denial, trouble, disappointment, personal sacrifice, and suffering for Christ's sake will allow us to show others God's love care and provision because we are taking on the character of Christ rather than our own. We're taking on the character of Christ. We're identifying with his suffering. And here's the thing. If you have never been under suffering, how can you help somebody else who's going through suffering? If you had it all laid out for you, the path is all clear, (laughs) everything's okay, Everything's fine. You don't face any challenges and difficulty. What about those people who are placed around you in your jobs, in your schools, and wherever else, your grocery stores who are suffering? If you have never been through that yourself, how are you going to be able to identify and encourage them to trust the Lord in their suffering? Amen? Number two, we must understand suffering according to God's will. It's according to God's will. 1 Peter 4.19 says this, So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Wow. We are also called to suffer for his name. Acts chapter 9 verse 16 says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Jesus said this about the apostle Paul. He also says this about us. There's times we're going to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. And don't take it personal if you're going through suffering right now because it's not about you. It's about the faith you have in Jesus Christ. And some people don't like Jesus. Oh, but they don't like me. Well, that happens. You're choosing to follow him. He didn't ha- not everybody was his fan. Okay? Not everybody was for Jesus. And so he said that, right? You're going to suffer for my sake. He let the disciples know that before he left them. He let the disciples know, them, know that, that you're going to suffer for my sake. And so don't take it personal if you're going through that because it's not basically solely on you. It's who you follow and who you worship and people just... They just have multiple reasons why they don't like God, especially when tragedy happens. They wonder, where is God? Why did God allow this and why did God allow that to happen? How can you say you serve a God who allows those things to happen? And you know what? I want you to be prepared to give an answer to that and then say, you know what? I can't understand why he let these things to happen. He lets them happen. But I do know that he's still on the throne and he's still good and he still loves us and he cares for every single one of us. Amen? We are called to suffer for the gospel. 2 Timothy verse 1 it says, So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Suffering for the gospel is un- enduring unjust suffering. This is Timothy now saying this. Notice, 
multiple authors are saying the same thing. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He continues to speak over and over again. Who speak to me, who speak to whoever else is preaching up here, and he's speaking to the scriptures multiple times. Peter, Timothy, Paul, all these people are speaking about suffering for the gospel, suffering for our relationship in Jesus Christ. We are called to suffer for what is right. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, 1 Peter chapter 3, 14, it says, But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. You're suffering for doing right, but God will reward you for that. So don't worry about their threats. Don't be afraid of that because you're suffering for doing what's right. Now, if you're suffering for doing wrong, get right. Repent. Get back on track and do what's right. God loves you. His gracious forgiveness is there. His grace is sufficient for you, but get back. I'm going to encourage you to get back on track. Because if you don't get back on track, you're going to continue to suffer for the consequences, for those decisions that you made. Those are the consequences of those actions, okay? But get back on track. Confess your sins to one another like we're supposed to do as believers, right? And get right back on track with the Lord, and he will continue to be with you and watch over you and help you through that situation. But make the choice to follow him, to do what's right. And so oftentimes, you know, but here's the thing in today's world, oftentimes when we stand up for what is right and go against what's considered politically correct, we will face unjust suffering. But the problem with most people today is that we do not want to publicly stand up for what is right for fear of not being liked. We're so more concerned about how many people follow us on Facebook We're so more concerned about how many followers we have on Instagram or on Twitter or even Snapchat. You know, how many people are looking up our, 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 our posts that we put on a regular basis. And so I want to encourage you, you know, that's not the goal. If you have a million followers on Facebook, I applaud you this morning. You're awesome. I want to be like you. Okay? But that's not the ultimate goal. It's not the ultimate goal. And so sometimes we don't, we don't want to say things. We don't want to stand up and, and say, you know, what's right when we have given an opportunity to say it because we're afraid to not be liked. Or oh, I don't want to be the unpopular person. But God has called us to live in a higher standard and be an example for others to follow. And here's the thing. You know, people want to fuss about be, a bear being killed so that a four-year-old kid could be rescued. <laughs> And people want to do that, that's, that's on them. But since when do animals have more rights than human beings? We heard, you, know, you heard the news. Oh, they were, the, the, the parents were dumb for letting the kid go. And, and how can they kill these animals? And, and, but they had to do what they had to do in order to rescue the kid. But the, but the, but the, but the, but the gorilla, he, he wasn't you know, doing nothing to, to the child. He was protecting. No, he wasn't. He was trying to kill the child. And they had to do what they had to do to rescue the child. Okay, because the last time I saw in Genesis chapter 126, it says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. It doesn't say that about animals or any other cre creation of God. So why do some people value human life less? We as a society have forgotten what exactly is right because we want right to be contrary to God's right. People make a loud noise for things that are just like, for real? Like, are you serious? Like, You're going to seriously call these parents dumb and you're going to seriously make a big fuss because a, a gorilla had to be uh, taken out to save the life of a child, right? People hunt, was it, it was a bear or a gorilla? I'm confused this morning. Gorilla, right? People hunt gorillas for less things, less important things than rescuing humans. Okay, there's people out there that's 
Why don't they take care of animals? But we, you know, that's, they don't want to make a noise for that. But we will suffer for standing up for what is right. And I could give a hundred more examples of suffering for what is right. But I want to give you an illustration this morning. And just bear with me as I explain this, um, okay? What took place in Orlando, Florida, unjustly. And, when I'm, when I wa- and I was saying this to the ladies in the office this week, and I'm going to explain something to you real quick. There's multiple reactions that are happening to the result of what took place in Orlando. There's people on a radio blasting Christians, pastors blasting those who had chose to live that lifestyle, okay? Those who had chose to live homosexual lifestyle. And, and what they are trying to say is that that's what they get for the, the, the choices that they make. Really? Seriously? Is that what they get for the choice that they make? Oh, you know, God, God sent this guy to eliminate them because they, they, they hate God and they're sinners. And, and so God's going to choose someone who is against Christianity in the first place to eliminate a bunch of non-Christians? God's going to choose one of the most the religions out there who are adamant about their stance against Christianity to execute a bunch of others who are not in relationship with Jesus. And so I want to explain to you this morning because, you know, that's happened because of the fall of man. It wasn't that God sent that person. It wasn't that God was mad at them. He, not, he doesn't hate homosexuals. He doesn't hate um, those who are, who are not in, in relationship with him. He doesn't like their sin, but he loves them. And he is grieved over the fact that those people died without, without not having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It totally grieves the Lord to see multiple people get killed in a mass situation like that. He is crying and because it's his will that none should perish. And so all this talk that people are saying, that's what they get for living a lifestyle, that's not, of the, that's not of the Lord. That's not the Bible that we preach. That's not what we are about as a church. It happened because of the fall of man, and he chose to go ahead and do something like that. Well, what are you talking about? Well, let's talk about Charleston, South Carolina. People who were in the church doing right, they were praying, seeking God's face. And because this young man had an issue against African Americans, he went ahead and killed all nine people who were there in the prayer service. Was that a, did God allow that happen because of their sin? No. They were praying. They were seeking God's face. It's because the fallen humanity, it's because the guy had a free will to make that choice and to go in there and do something so horrific to people of God. And so it's not a matter of whether they're in sin or they're doing the right thing and then God's just, you know, wiping people out as a result of that. No, okay? It's a matter of our choice as people, our free will, and God's given every single one of us that. And there's times that he may intervene and there's times that he won't because it's our choice. I should be hearing amen. (laughs) He chose. He chose to, to go after, and I can sit here and say he targeted homosexuals in Orlando, and Latinos. And I'm Puerto Rican, all right? I'm a Latino. He targeted both groups. And, and then and in Charleston, Carolina, um, South Carolina, he targeted 
African Americans, okay, but those are their choice. They have chose to do that on their own. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if either one of these men who decided to do that, if they were in right relationship with Jesus Christ, if they had a church who was actually out there witnessing, ministering to them, and bringing them to a strong church, would that have ever happened? No. Because how could somebody who is in the right relationship with Jesus and part of a strong church and community with a church and loving relationship with a church even do something like that? They wouldn't. Because God, they have a that relationship with Jesus and they experience the forgiveness of God. Sometimes these guys, they, it happens because they don't understand God's forgiveness and they don't understand God's love and they don't understand God's grace and they're angry and they're frustrated and who knows why they choose to do that. But you know what? That can happen to anybody here. We can all decide to do something like that. But because we, because we are in a right relationship with Jesus, that's less likely to happen. Amen? Any one of us could snap. Any one of us. But that's less likely to happen because we are here together in relationship with Jesus Christ. We have a relationship with him. He helps us through those darkness, those situations. And so I just, you know, that was, that was for free. I had to throw that in there, okay, because I want to combat those blah, 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 this back and forth stuff that people are saying, okay, if he doesn't, true, they're, they're, they're living a, a lifestyle that God, you know, he's against the lifestyle, but he loves the people, and he wanted them to have a relationship with them, and he is grieving the loss of those who died in that tragic situation. But that's the world that we live in today. And that's why I'm preaching this message this morning, because I want to make sure that if you are in right standings with God, because we never know when it could happen. Whether you're in a club or you're in a church praying, it can happen. But the difference maker is where we at with Jesus. Because I can sit here confident and say, you can do whatever you want to me. I know where I'm going to go. I'm going to be with him. Because I'm assured that I gave my relationship to him. I gave my life to him. And so number three, suffering for Christ is a way to develop spiritual maturity. You know, I used to be one of those Christians that when I suffer, I used to be like, oh, God's mad at me. Oh, what did I do wrong? Let me go back in my, my week and check. Oh, I didn't pray this morning. Oh, I didn't say thank you to my mom and dad. Oh, I disobeyed my mom and dad, you know. God don't need to, you know, I don't need to suffer from God's hands by disobeying my mom and dad. They were ready to slap me off the side of the head when I disobeyed them. Okay, but I used to be one of those type of people. I was so focused on the works righteousness, and I said, "What did I do wrong? Why am I suffering? Why am I going through this difficulty in a situation?" It had nothing to do with what I did right or wrong. It's just a part of the call for living for Jesus. It's a way to develop spiritual maturity. Amen. Here's what Hebrews two ten says: For it was fitting for him. For whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through what? Perfect through suffering. Spiritual maturity. You want to mature spiritually? How do you handle your situations when you're going to suffering? How do you respond to that? And don't do it by yourself. For God's sake, don't do it by yourself. Have people help you when you're going through some challenges. Call one of us, the pastors. Call one of the leadership in the church to speak into your life. That's what we're here for. <laughs> That's why we got degrees in ministry, right? <laughs> but also, even those who are not even pastors, brothers and sisters in Christ, to speak into our life. Don't do it by yourself. If you're going through suffering, speak with somebody. 
to love on you, to help you. We all need that. I need that. I can't always go to people in the church as a spiritual leader, but I have other people outside of the church that are Christians that I can speak to when I'm going through suffering. We, we all need that. Don't do it by yourself. Don't do it alone. So suffering for Christ is a way to develop spiritual maturity. It helps us to, A, to obtain God's blessing here. Okay, to, to obtain God's blessing. Here's what 1 Peter 4.14 says. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. The spirit of glory of God rests on you. So you want to see how spiritually mature you are? If you are suffering, the spirit of God rests on you. If you are suffering for the name of Christ, I'm not saying if you're suffering for something else. I'm talking about specifically persecution. I'm speaking about people speaking against you. We all have suffering in other ways, but I'm saying for the cause of Christ, it says it right here, okay, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. There's two things that God gives us, it's up to, when we are endure unjust suffering. When we endure unjust suffering, two things happen. He's getting ready to bless us, and he's getting ready to grow, grow us. He's getting ready to bless us, and he's getting ready to grow us. And, you know, I want you to understand, in our spiritual life, he stretches beyond our capacity. It's like building muscle, all right? You know, some of you know Paul. He's a, he's a muscle man. Jared's in here. He's a muscle man, too, all right? And so when you work out, you are, you know, you're constantly working out that muscle, and you tear the muscle. It's building back up. You take the proteins. You do what you got to do for that muscle to grow. But you have to face resistance at time in order for you to grow the muscle. You have to face resistance at time in order for you to get stronger. And for when you have to run a race, you just don't go out there and run a triathlon like (laughs) um, Martin has done recently. Martin, you don't just do a triathlon without training first, right? He has to bike, he has to swim, and he has to run. Okay? Just the swimming alone will probably kill me. But he has to prepare himself he has to train and do that on a regular basis for him to be prepared to run the triathlon. So when we go into suffering spiritually, we, just, we train ourselves in the ways of the Lord. We keep seeking him. We keep going after him. We keep following him. We keep trusting in him. So when we do face those challenges the next time, it's like, I've already been through that. God, God showed up already last time. And I'm going to just have faith and trust he's going to show up again. You know? But how do we spiritually condition ourselves? Reading God's word, praying, coming together in church, spending time with, the, with one another, fellowshipping, encouraging one another. That's how we spiritually get conditioned, seeking God's face and being with one another. Suffering for Christ is a way to develop spiritual maturity. It helps us to also to relate and to minister to others. We cannot help others who are suffering if we've never been through suffering ourselves. Sharing in Christ's suffering prepares us to share in his glory. In this, in this sense, Suffering for good should be seen as the precious gift from God. Again, here's what 1 Peter 2.19 says. Okay, 1 Peter 2.19 says it right there. For God is pleased when conscience of his will we patiently endure unjust treatment. Now I want to share with you real quickly on um, how do we endure, patiently endure unfair treatment. We find the answers in 1 Peter chapter 3. 8 through 12. That's our cheat sheet, okay? 1 Peter chapter 3, 8 through 12. This is how we endure unfair, tre- unfair treatment, how we should as people of God. Here it says it right here. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, 
That's why it's important we come to church. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Do not repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will bless you for it. Don't go back on Facebook and start blasting everybody who's against Trump or who's against Hillary Clinton, all right? Right? <laughs> Not saying to do that. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. You know one thing my mom always said? If you don't have nothing good to say, don't say it at all. I have to remind myself all the time that, what did mommy say? Oh, yeah. If I have nothing good to say, don't say it at all. Because sometimes my foot, I get my foot in my mouth quite often. <laughs> but that, it's true. Keep your lips from telling. Keep your lips from speaking evil. Keep your lips from telling lies. Verse 11 says, turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. So when you're suffering for unjustly for doing right, the Lord's eyes are on those who are doing right, right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But if you're suffering for your own doing because you're not making the right choices, that's, on, that's because of your, your choices. That's, that's the consequences of that. And I'm going to encourage you to get right back on track. I want to share with you a story about John Bevere, what he said about a young man. Um, you know, John Bevere wrote the book, Beta Satan, and he has a great ministry, writing books. He, he's an itinerant speaker, great speaker, great powerful man of God, very charismatic. And um, he shared a story about a man who was, uh, he was like a project manager. And he worked for a large company, and I believe it was in Texas. And he worked there for several years. It was like 12 years or, or so, and he was good at what he did. And um, he knew that the time would come that he was going to excel and become like one of the top guys in his field. But there was a guy who came in there a little bit after him who was not as diligent, not as consistent, or not as good at what he did, not as patient. But for some reason, he got a promotion over the gentleman that John Bevere was talking about. And the gentleman felt discouraged. He's like, I've been here for so long. Here's this guy that hasn't been here that long, yet he gets promoted to be one of the you know, project managers, to be one of the top guys in our company, and I didn't. And so the, there was a message that the pastor preached similar to this one, you know, facing unjust treatment and unfair treatment. And at the end of the message, the guy goes up to the pastor and says, I really needed to hear that. And he told him what happened. He said, you know, pastor, I got passed up for a promotion because of the color of my skin. And it was evident. It was because of the color of his skin. And the pastor said, so what are you going to do about that? He says, well, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I'm going to trust the Lord. I want to believe for him to do something great in my life. I just wanted to thank you for sharing this message because it spoke, exactly, it spoke directly to me, and I'm going to apply this to my life. So he goes back. He goes up to the guy. He knocks on his office door. The guy says, come in. And he come, walks in there. And the, guy, you know, the guy that got promoted was nervous. He's like, oh. Uh-oh, he's like bracing himself, you know. And a young man who was at church and heard what the pastor, told the pastor that he was going to deal with it in a godly way, he said to him, I just wanted to tell you congratulations. You did a good job. Congratulations on your promotion. You deserve it. God bless you. And the guy was like, all right, um, okay, yeah. He walks away. Months go by. 
months and months, until finally he gets a call from a company in Virginia, and this, you know, not too far from here in Virginia. And they call him up and they say, we want to meet with you for lunch. So they go with, meet him for lunch, they take him out to lunch, and um, they say to him, we want to hire you to be part of our company. And he's like, I'm good where I'm at. I just, I love what I do. I got my clients. I don't want to give that up. You know, I don't want to give up my clients. I'm good. I'm all right. No, no we want to hire you to be, work with us. He's like, we want to offer you whatever you need. He's like, oh, well, yeah, all right. No, I'll think about it. I'm like, okay, well, we want to meet with you again in a week. He said, all right. So he goes back. He's wrestling with it. He's praying about it. He says, you know, the day before he goes to meet with them again, he's just like, he doesn't know what to do. Lord, is this of you? I'm a believer. This could be God's favor, God's blessing. What do I do? And he said, okay, Lord, I'm going to put this to the test. I'm going to lay down a fleece like a Gideon. You know, I'm going to write down a number that I would like to see them pay me in order for me to take this job. So he writes the number down, right? Puts it in an envelope. He meets with them for lunch again. And he's about to start slipping on the envelope to say, this is what it's going to take to get me to come to your company. And they're like, no, 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 we want to offer you something first. <laughs> and they, they slip down the envelope to him. He opens the envelope, okay? In the midst of opening the envelope, his mouth just drops. And they're thinking, while they're, while they're waiting for his response, they're saying, oh, it's not enough. Oh, it's not enough. It's like, all right, we'll give you, on top of that, we'll give you twice as much as what we've written down on a piece of paper. <laughs> and, and, and so he's sitting there, like, dumbfounded, like, and they're like, what? I mean, is that not enough? And like, we'll give you twice as much. So not only did he get four times as much that he put down on the paper, okay, they also included some extra benefits and to pay for his travel expenses on top of that. And that's what God did for him because he dealt with the unjust treatment, the unjust suffering in a godly way. And so the guys, you know, currently he's still there. He's done great. He's one of the top guys in his company. But that's what God can do in our lives. And that's not going to be every one of our stories in an exact way, okay? But he turned his back on what he really wanted to do. He wanted to let that guy know a piece of his mind, <laughs> all right? He wanted to let his boss know, how can you treat me like this? But instead, he followed what the scriptures said and did what was right. And God blessed him as a result of that. And he wants to do the same. He wants to bless us. And sometimes there's things that we are, he's waiting to give us, but he's waiting for us to respond in the right way so that he can give us with that. Because like I mentioned before, if you're not faithful with the little, how can you be faithful with much? Sometimes our response delays our, God's blessings in our life. And I'm preaching to myself because I'm not a patient person. <laughs> I'm not. This message really spoke to me in, in preparation, and that's why I wanted to share it this morning. And so, but how does a story like that encourage us? Well, here's what James 1, 2 and 3 says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And, and, and I want to encourage you, James didn't lose his mind when he wrote this. What he was saying is how blessed we are when trials come our way, because the testing of our faith develops perseverance. And so I wanted to look at, oh no, I, I wanted to look up the word perseverance in the original language. I'm like, you know, our English language, we understand perseverance, but I wanted to get down deeper to the really real meaning of perseverance in the Greek. And so I went back and looked it up. The word hypomone means beyond all measure, to stay, remain, live, dwell, and abide in Christ. 
It's an energetic resistance, steadfastness under pressure and endurance in face of trials. So when we, are, when we persevere, no form of persecution can stand in our way. None. But there are times we will complain. We all, you know, we all complain. I complain. But when we keep our mouth from evil and our lips from deceitful speech, lying about our suffering, good days are promised to us. And that's what Peter has meant when, he, when I read previously in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, where he said, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his dead tongue from evil and speak their lips and, and, and their lips from deceitful speech. It's hard. I want to complain all the time. Sometimes I do. I call my mother. I'm a mama's boy. Complaining. Sometimes my mom will kick, you know, rebuke me and say, "Grow up." Well, if you don't have, you know, if you don't have a person like that in your life, find somebody who's not going to just tell you what you want to hear. But sometimes rebuke you and say, "Hey, man," or "Hey, lady." <laughs> let's let let's let go and let God. That could be a cliche, right? Let go and let God. But that's true. Times we got to let go and let God. To love life and to see good days, that's what it says in that scripture, happens to those who avoid evil in both words and actions and instead pursue peace will experience lives full of God's blessing and favor. Also experience God's special attention and presence. Now I'm going to read again what 1 Peter 12 says, and I don't have it up there in a PowerPoint. 1 Peter 3.12 says it right here. Um, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. So his eyes are on us when we do right. And then God's answer to their prayers. Those to love life and to see good days will experience life full of, life full of God's blessing and favor, God's special attention and presence, and God's answer to their prayers. First John three twenty one and 23 says, Dear friends, if your heart, First John, yeah. If your heart do not condemn us, in your, if our heart do, do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we keep His commands and do what pleases Him. Amen. Enduring unjust suffering and responding in the right way gets us ready for God to bless and grow us to greater responsibility that He has already planned for us. He has planned for every single one of us to do something great for him. And I want to encourage you that when you're facing the difficulties, the trials, and the tribulations in your life, stand firm, trust him, endure. Thank you for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on the podcast or share it with somebody by taking a photo and sending it by text message or share it with the link below and they'll be able to click on it and enjoy the message as well. Thank you very much. I'll see you next time.